The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. That very first day, the first day of the week, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus. And they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing as you walked along? They stopped, looking downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, said to him in reply, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? And he replied to them, What sort of things? They said to him, The things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, how the chief priests and the rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel, and besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. Some women of our group, however, have astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those with us who went to the tomb and found things just as the women had described, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophet spoke. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them what referred to him in all the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on further. But they urged him, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it and gave it to them. With that, their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? So they set out at once and returned to Jerusalem, where they found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them who were saying, The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then the two recounted what had taken place on the way and how he had made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today we uh, hear the road to Emmaus, and we've heard this story before. And one of the interpretations that I love is that this is the first Mass after the resurrection, where Jesus explains Scripture, they, they go through Scripture, they, they read it, and then they have the breaking of the bread. And whenever we see breaking of the bread in uh, the in the New Testament, breaking the bread is kind of the, the words, the terms that was referencing the Mass. So now we say, hey, we're going to Mass. At that time, it was the breaking of the bread. Breaking of the bread was the Eucharist, was the Mass of the early church. And so we see that uh, they recognized him in the breaking of the bread, in the Mass. However, the reality is, is that a lot of the times we don't always recognize him in the breaking of the bread, or when we come to Mass. Uh, the reality is, is that a lot of the times we're maybe prevented from recognizing him, uh, just as the disciples today were prevented from recognizing him. Now, sometimes that's because of our own fault, because of our sin, because of our ways, which we've turned away from God and aren't always open to him. But sometimes the reality is, is that God 
sometimes uh, prevents us from recognizing him because if he really showed his glory in every single moment, like he did at Mount Tabor and the Transfiguration, that it would no longer be an act of faith, no longer be an act of love, but would be one that we would be compelled to bow down and worship and love him. And ultimately, he doesn't want to uh, uh, force us to love him, but he wants to draw us. He wants us to be able to make a true act of love, of faith, which is to will the good of the other for the other's sake. Not because we get something out of it, but because God is to be loved. And that's ultimately what we seek here at Mass. And so I would argue that a Mass in which you feel really good after leaving isn't as much of a mass of love as one where you you made it through, but you chose and you continue to will God's good and to say, God, I'm here. I don't understand why. I don't know why. I don't want to be here. I'm distracted, but I'm going to continue to choose you. That continuing to choose him is the most important and loving thing. And so we do that as we come here. This Mass is actually my last Mass that I'll, I'll be here with all of you. Uh, I leave next week, and, uh, and so Father Jude, uh, who came in yesterday, will be taking over for me this week. And so this is my, my last Mass with you. And I guess I want to share uh, one thing with you is um, just a little bit about my story of how I got here um, which was through the Mass, not in the, in the normal way, but again in ways that God works. Uh, well, I, went, uh, I grew up in a normal Catholic family, and we went to Mass, and maybe I wasn't exactly as engaged or necessarily recognizing that God was there a lot of the times. So I didn't like Mass. I didn't want to go to Mass, uh, but that's what we did as a family. When I went to college, I went to the Naval Academy in Annapolis, and uh, the first year is pretty tough. It's, it's just kind of boot camp all year long, and me and another buddy ended up starting to go to daily Mass. And to be quite honest, part of going to daily Mass was so that I could get out from uh, not being by the upperclassmen and treated like a human being for at least a few hours, as well as I could also take a nap there and I wouldn't get yelled at. So, uh, so a lot of times, not exactly the most pure motives going there, but, but the Lord works in mysterious ways and he, he drew me there and, and was able to get me there and I would go on occasion, uh, maybe two or three times a week. And there was one time after a few months of that where I was walking out of, out of that and I had a giant, I noticed that I had a giant grin on my face, just ear to ear, walking along. And it stopped me in my tracks because even though that I wasn't depressed, it, it wasn't a very happy year. I wasn't exactly uh, having, having a fun time. So I wasn't smiling. I wasn't joking. I wasn't, you know, uh, in general, it was a lot of stress, a lot of, a lot of pressure. And so I noticed that I was smiling ear to ear and I was just great peace. And I was like, whoa, what is this? And I had to look at my day and I, I looked at, uh, you know, what I had done and everything else. And there was nothing out of the ordinary, really. And then it clicked with me. It was like, I just received whatever, whatever I received in mass. That's what this is. Now, at that point, I wouldn't have been able to articulate that the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. I didn't necessarily, I'm sure I'd been told that. I'm sure I... Uh, maybe some way understood it, but I couldn't articulate that to you. I didn't believe that, you know, intellectually. But yet I knew that there was some connection with some gift that I received with the Eucharist, with, this, with the Mass there. And so I started to go 
religiously to ma- daily mass every single day because I knew that I needed I needed whatever that was. I didn't really care about the community. I didn't really care about the mass. I just wanted to receive the Eucharist. And I started to learn more about it. And as I learned more about it, I found out about how, how, what, how much more there is to the Mass, the Eucharist, to God, to Catholicism, than what I grew up with. And it was in that that I started to desire more and started to, to change. And I eventually uh, left the Naval Academy to go to seminary to see whether God was calling me uh, to become a priest. And I needed to do that because... Uh, I needed a little bit more formation. I needed a little bit more time in prayer to be able to know. And I know that I needed to answer that question before I could really move on with my life. And so I went to seminary and it was great, but I still didn't know whether God was calling me to the priesthood. And so in between my minor seminary of, of college, kind of um, a bachelor's degree, which was in seminary formation and master's, a master's degree in major seminary. I had a summer where I went to the Institute for Priestly Formation, which was a summer program uh, that was focused on the spiritual life. And one of the times we had, at the beginning, we had an eight-day silent retreat. So for eight days, we didn't talk to anybody. We just prayed in silence. And we had multiple holy hours each day. And during one of those holy hours, I remember praying in a garden, looking at the Sacred Heart statue, a beautiful Sacred Heart statue, and just being really, uh, you know, the big question on my, my heart was, God, are you calling me to the priesthood? Are you calling me? Because if you are calling me to the priesthood, then I'm ready to go. If I'm not called to the priesthood, I don't want to waste any, any more of my time or your time, you know, and we want to get on with this, right? And, uh, and, and there wasn't any clarity in prayer. There wasn't anything that made it clear. There was a lot of things that I, I could see either way. And so I was praying about that, and I was like, God. I was just kind of frustrated to a degree, and I, I just said, God, you know, what do you want me to do? If, if you just made it clear, if you told me to run around in circles right now because that's what you want me to do, I would do that, right? Just make it clear, please. And the Lord didn't make it clear in the sense of what to do, but I did hear in that moment that the Lord said, I want you to be with me. Now, see the difference. I wanted to do something for God, and God wanted me to be with him. And I guess I want to encourage us all in that. That's kind of my prayer as I leave. Is to remind us we do things for the Lord. Absolutely, we want to be with the Lord, or we want to do things for the Lord. We want to avoid sin. We want to pursue him. We want to learn more about him. We want to do good things. But the Lord, we do all of that not so that we do things for the Lord, but so that we might be able to be with Him. And so we need to be important to never allow the doing to keep us from being. Ultimately, that's what Mass is. We, we do come to Mass, but we come to Mass to be with Him. Mass isn't about what you take from it in the sense of the homily or uh, what I have to say. I, I always say that the homily is the worst part of the entire Mass because it's just me telling you what's happening, okay? So we know that the Scripture is more important, that the prayer and the worship of God is more important. Please don't judge Mass by the homily. Judge Mass by the prayer. How was your heart? How was your disposition? How did you love God in the Mass, how were you present to him? 
Ultimately, heaven is not uh, acting for the Lord or doing charitable works in the way of uh, or avoiding sin. Heaven is being with the Lord. That's what heaven is. And that's what the Lord wants us to be with him now here on earth. It's not just in heaven. And we need to learn how to be with the Lord. And that's sometimes the most uncomfortable part. Is that sometimes we'd, we'd much prefer to do things for someone than to be with them. But the Lord wants us to be with him always. And it's in that that we have a great freedom because we don't have to be anxious about what exactly do I do? I do the right thing? Did I exactly get it right? Was I, we instead ask the question, was I with the Lord? Was I with him? Did I acknowledge his presence? Did I rec- remember that I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit? That the Lord comes with me? Did I remember that the blessed sacrament, cha- the, that, uh, the Eucharist, it, that Jesus is present in the Eucharist, and that I was present to him, that I stopped by to be able to say prayer. We have a great gift here that we have a blessed sacrament chapel over in this corner where the Eucharist is reserved all the time. The chapel is open from 7.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. almost every single day. And then you can just stop in through that back door, pop in to say and to be present to the Lord. Just, and let me tell you, that, that'll transform your day. Just spending five minutes to pop in, to come and be present to the Lord in your life. And your, your day will change because your outlook will change. One of the most important things that I've done while I've been here uh, that I think has been the most fruitful and the most important thing that we've done as a parish is to start Eucharistic Adoration on Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Now, I know that doesn't work for a lot of people who work normal jobs, and right? We, we all uh, work here to some degree. Um, so it's a little bit difficult from that regard, but it is the time that works. And I, I had been delaying the Eucharistic adoration for a long time because I didn't know exactly when it fits. And you know what? There is no good time. You know, that's the reality is that sometimes prayer, there is no good time. And so we just put it in and we make time for it. And so we have Eucharistic adoration from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. every Friday. And I encourage you to consider, I know some of you already have an hour that are committed to it. And we need people who are committed to different hours so that we can have that every single week. Otherwise, we have to uh, change it. And I know that this summer is coming up and that people will be gone and that we need subs who will be coming in. And I know that some people will be PCSing like me and, and changing and leaving and that there are new people here who can make commitments Now, again, this isn't for the rest of your life, okay? The commitment isn't for the rest of your life. But it is a commitment because sometimes we need commitments in order to be able to help us grow. So I encourage you you to consider being with the Lord, especially in Eucharistic adoration, to be present to him where the Eucharist is, is exposed in the monstrance and that we can just be present to him and to be with him in prayer. Uh, if you'd like to con- uh, consider that or like to talk to me, please talk to myself or Megan uh, after Mass. And I have little cards for sign-up to be able to be a sub. Uh, maybe you're not able to commit every single week, but maybe occasionally and to work with some other people. And so uh, that's my parting message to you. Be with the Lord. The Lord is here. He's present. Uh, the question is, is whether we're present, whether we make that commitment to be present to him. Uh, the Lord desires good things for you. Uh, and uh, I pray that you might be receptive to those things, even in the midst of great difficulty.